Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. Hello, everyone, and happy Friday. Welcome back to the Broncos Podcast Network and YouTube for this week's edition of The Snap. I'm your host, Sydney Jones, joined today, as always, by my good friend, Alexis Perry. We have a very fun episode planned for you all today to wrap up our month-long Women's History Month campaign. Today, we have Justin Simmons' wife, Taryn, joining us on The Snap to talk about Justin's new long-term deal, her continued work in the Denver community, and of course, since it is Women's History Month, the progression of women sports. Taryn, thanks so much for joining Alexis and I here on The Snap. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This is an honor. It's always fun getting to chat with you too. Well, first off, how are you? I'm sure it's been, you know, a whirlwind of a week for you and your family. It has. It has been really fun. There's been a lot of emotions. There's been a lot to do, a lot of phone calls to make. So it's all been good things, but it has been a lot. Um, we're going to go home to see family in Florida next week and just like sit on the beach and <laughs> not have to think about anything. So I have that in goal to get through all of the crazy, but it's been all good things. I can't complain. It just been a little hectic. <laughs> well, what does it mean to you and your family knowing that you guys will be here for at least another four years? Oh my goodness. We, this is like a dream come true for us. We, genuinely wanted to be here. It was just a long process and COVID didn't help anything, um, with contract stuff. So this was always our dream since we got drafted here. And, um, yeah, that first week I lived here, I was like, wow, I love Denver. We love the city. We love how much there is to do. We love the people. We love the organization. We love all of the families that we've met and, we just feel like we can help the community so much here and genuinely feels like home for us. So to not have to uproot and start over was so, so, so awesome for us. Taryn, just seeing Justin go through this process from being tagged last year, then again this year, as well as the negotiations after the most recent tag, just how emotional were you guys when he finally put pen to paper? Oh my goodness. I would say we almost didn't have any emotions because it didn't feel real. We were like, it sounds bad, but from how long the process was, we were just almost waiting for something bad to happen. Like there might just be one more speed bump. Like let's not get our hopes up too high. But also when, as it started to set in, it was still like, I can't believe this is happening right now. So the first, I don't know, 24 hours were just like wide eye shock. <laughs> and then this weekend, as it started to sit in, set in about like what this really means, it was definitely emotional. And like every type of emotion is like happy and like crying, but crying really happy tears, but <laughs> just so many it was exhausting to just be feeling all of the things, but like I said, all good things. So yeah, it was a weekend for sure. <laughs> weekend to remember. That's for sure. You know, Taryn, overall, how proud are you of Justin? You know, a three-star recruit out of high school to, you know, now I think George Payton said it best, you know, the best safety in the league. How proud does that make you? It's been so cool to get to, cause I guess like me and his family, we've kind of have like a front row seat to it and seeing all of his dreams unfold. And like, even his senior year of college, we were engaged and he was like, I don't really know if I can make it in the NFL. Like, I'm not sure if I want to do it. 
whatever, whatever. And we kind of like talked through it, but I mean, the way that we've just seen like God open doors for us and him work hard, even though maybe he wasn't hearing those things. Like he was never told like, you're the best, you're a five-star recruit. You're going to get offers from all of these big schools. Like he was never told those things, but he worked just as hard as the athletes that were being told those things. Cause I think in the back of his mind, like he knew he could be. Mm-hmm. And so he's always put in all the work behind closed doors and he will, no one's going to outwork him. He has a crazy work ethic, but he also just kind of like stays in his lane and he's not worried about being ranked up against other people, which I think has helped him a lot. Um, so it's been crazy to just <laughs> this week to hear those things from the GM and, yeah, it's been really cool. We're so proud of him. I know his parents feel the same way. And I mean, we knew it all along. We believe this to happen, but it's still like, what is the percent chance of this happening? Your high school dream, or even he probably has been dreaming this since he was five, (laughs) but the percentage of that happening is so small. And so it's just been really, really fun to get to watch all of that unfold for him. And I'm sure there's more things that are going to unfold in the next four years. So we're really, really proud. And I'm sure Broncos country is excited to see some of those and things unfold over the next four years. Like you mentioned, you know, Taryn, I know this contract means a lot more than, you know, just football for your family. You know, everyone in Broncos country knows that the Denver community is very near and dear to all of your hearts. How much does it mean to you specifically to be able to stay here and continue your work in the community? Oh, it's huge because I know, you know, anywhere we go, there would be needs to be met. And so it's not a matter of us feeling like Denver needs more. It's just, we feel like we have so many connections. Justin has made really good relationships, like the boys and girls clubs here and a lot of the schools that he's visited and just, he's like invested emotionally with kids that now he knows them by name and he knows their story. And there's just an element of that that makes it feel really personal. And it's like, we know the people that we're helping and the organizations and the, um, foundations and things that we've partnered with, we know like the CEO or the owner or the founder of that organization, and we know their heart. And so it's just been cool to build those relationships over the last five years and feel like we really have like an emotional attachment to these people. And so it's, obviously so rewarding to be able to help anybody in need, but whenever you feel like you know them and you know their stories, it makes it even more special. So I would say that element has been important to us. It was definitely part of the conversation and deciding about where we wanted to go. And then also just with the organization, Justin, I think feels like he's very invested into the community department and their vision and the, how hard they work to make things happen. So I think all that to say, like, we're just so happy that we can be here. Yeah. I think Allie, Liz and Katie, that entire CR department, they were ecstatic when they heard the news <laughs> that Justin was going to be here for another four years. That's for sure. But oh, speaking yeah. of foundations, you know, you and Justin both started the Justin Simmons foundation last year. And I know you mentioned when we talked the first time, not too long ago, that COVID was just really challenging for you guys, but as a whole, how do you feel like that first year went? I think it went amazing. I mean, we couldn't, the reason COVID was restrictive is we couldn't do anything in person to fundraise. And we also couldn't do anything in person to give funds. So 
like we did a big Christmas campaign, which went amazing. And we were able to do so much more than we thought we could, but it would have been so much more fun for us to like drop off the presents and get to hug people. And so that aspect of it made it hard last year. Um, but overall, I do feel like we were able to do a lot with limited amount of accessibility, especially Justin. He definitely wasn't going to be allowed to go anywhere or meet anybody in person. So hopefully next year we can, but <laughs> you never know. Um, we do, we like have ideas on things that we can do if we're still re restricted significantly. So I think there's still a lot of dreams, but hopefully one day we can get back to seeing people in person and getting to like him go to the boys and girls club and hanging out with the kids and things like that. So speaking of next year, do you guys have any big projects or plans on the horizon this year that you can give us a little sneak peek on? Oh, so we have a lot of dreams that we don't have any, we haven't like put them to paper and actually <laughs> tried to do anything with, um, especially because we are kind of waiting on this to happen. Um, this was obviously going to play a big role in our plans for the year. So because it's been such a whirlwind, we haven't even gotten the chance to talk to our foundation manager, but that's on the plans for the next week or so. So we can start to get some concrete things rolling. Um, so I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen this year. Hopefully we get to do a lot and hopefully we can have things in person at least sometimes or in a way that's like we meet them outside or a way that's safe, but we can make an impact that way. So I wish I could give you specifics, but we have we been in way. a whirlwind. <laughs> either way, we're looking forward to it. Us too. We are too. <laughs> well, Taryn, you know, during the interview I had with Justin last week, when you all came to the facility, you know, he mentioned the connections, like you said, that you've made with different women and young female athletes here in Denver. And I know one of the main goals of the Justin Simmons Foundation is to inspire our youth. Um, so Taryn, my question for you is, you know, why was it so important for you specifically um, to want to inspire young female athletes or just young athletes in general? I think for my personal story, and I think Justin's, Justin's story is similar, that sports played such a huge role in like forming me into who I am. Um, I think there's so much to learn whenever you play sports outside of the opportunities that it gives you for like college scholarships and things like that, but just how to be a teammate, how to listen to authority, being on time, learning how to be responsible, like can't forget your Jersey or you're not going to play just little things like that, that I think are great character developments and just being a part of a team does something special to your character. So I feel like it's just so important if, if a child has a passion for it, um, to be able to be able to play sports. And I think for us, we know that there are kids that don't have access to that because of maybe they don't have the funds to afford it, or they don't have a ride, or they don't have a way to get home at the end of practice or whatever. And it's kind of made it so that they can't play sports. And we just never want that to be the reason somebody doesn't. And um, yeah, so that's, I guess, where the passion comes from, just knowing how much it changed our lives. I know we wouldn't be who we are now if we hadn't have grown up playing sports and all the opportunities it provided us with. So it's definitely really important to us. And we're excited to be able to help kids, you know, find teams to be on and afford it and get there and get home and all of those things. 
You play D1 basketball at Presbyterian College, right? Yeah. You know, speaking of that time, have you been watching the NCAA tournament at all? Oh, tournament? I know they didn't make the cut, but. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've been watching all the basketball over the last, <laughs> however, since Friday, I guess, men's and women's. Um, it's so fun. This is our favorite time of year. We love March Madness. <laughs> always build a bracket and you're always disappointed in yourself. <laughs> you're like, dang it. I did not see that coming, but it makes it fun. So. Oh yeah, we have basketball on 24 seven right now. <laughs> it has been fun. You know, I'm sure you heard the differences between the men's and women's facilities and amenities and the news there during the NCAA tournament. What was your reaction when you first saw all of that? Honestly, for me, because I've seen a lot of that, I wasn't surprised. Um, I was talking yeah. to, a, I know I was talking to a friend. She played at like a major division one school and she was like, is this shocking? Like, I'm not surprised. And I was like, yeah, I kind of thought the same thing. Like, this is kind of how it's always been. Um, but it's obviously not okay. And, you know, even if men's basketball brings in more income or revenue or whatever, like there are laws for <laughs> gender equality that make that unacceptable. And I don't know how they didn't think they were going to get caught. I mean, especially with social media and the girls on the team, maybe having friends or boyfriends or family members that play men's basketball. And they're like, Hey, that looks a lot different than what I have. Um, yeah. So it just, it was not surprising, but still shocking that it's like still happening and them saying like, Oh, we're sorry. But it's like, I don't know. Cause you did it you knew that that's what you were doing. So I'm glad they fixed it. And I'm glad that us rallying, everyone rallying around them made them fix it, especially like the food. I just, that, that part really, I was like, these are elite athletes. You can't just serve them anything. <laughs> so that part made me really mad, but I'm glad it's fixed. And I hope now going forward, they realize that they can't get away with doing things halfway for, and it doesn't just go for basketball. I know that that's how it is across the board with college sports and definitely like football, getting the nicest stuff and maybe swimming, getting not as nice or whatever type of sport that doesn't bring as much revenue. And so hopefully this woke the NCAA up and made them realize that they can't get away with that anymore. And they're all, they're all, everyone that's playing a college sport is an elite athlete and they need to have access to weights and food and training facilities that are, you know, comparable to what everyone else is getting. So that's kind of how I felt, but <laughs> it's a shame that it's still, you know, not surprising to people kind of like you mentioned, you know, going off of that, what steps do you think need to be made to reach equality in sports, even maybe not even from women's to men's, but like you mentioned, like football to swimming. Yeah. I think first and foremost, awareness is huge. Like, because I saw it firsthand, like I was able to tell you, it wasn't that shocking, but to so many people that never, maybe didn't play a college sport, they didn't know people that played college sports or they, you know, even Justin played major division one college football. So he didn't see what other sports maybe did or didn't get or other women's basketball, women's soccer, things like that. So I'm just glad that it's like people are aware of it now. I think that's the biggest thing. 
because when people are aware of it, I don't think you can get away with it as easy. And it sounds bad that it's like get away with, but I feel like that's what they were trying to do. They were just trying to be spend the least amount of money in the places that they could. Um, and then just having like advocates for them. I, I saw how like Orange Theory volunteered to drop off rowing machines and treadmills. And there's like all these companies from around the country that were like rallying around women's basketball. And so having advocates like that are going to push the NCAA to be like, oh, wait, 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 that just looks bad. We need to, we need to handle this and not have another company drop off equipment for them. Um, and so I feel like those are probably the main things, just like anything, I guess, any sort of disparity that you see in the community, the biggest thing is just people being aware of it and having people that speak up for them, you know, maybe they feel like their voice isn't as powerful, but if an NFL football player says it, people are going to listen. And so using your voice to like speak up for things like that, I think is huge is, and we saw it happen last week we saw all of these people speak up and then all of a sudden it was fixed <laughs> You're like this has probably been going on for 50 years without anything anybody knowing and anyone saying anything and so they could just why would they change if they could get away with it so I think those are probably the most important things just making sure people know and speaking up if you see it I'm really glad you said that, Taryn, because awareness is huge. You never really know what goes on behind closed doors, right? Totally. Well, one last question for you here, Taryn. You know, the NFL has a whole, we've really seen take a, a huge step forward in women representation over the years. How would you describe the progress you've seen in that regard, maybe since Justin even first got in the league? I think it's huge. I think what, I don't know when the first female ref, but I feel like it's definitely been recent because of social media. I've seen it. And again, I think with social media and with the pressure from the public and people speaking up and saying like, Hey, why is there, if you have just a qual just as qualified as a woman to ref this game or to coach this position or to be in the strength room as a strength coach or whatever it is, and they're just as qualified, why are you, why is no one being hired? And without and that's where social media can be powerful because like without that, no one knows, no one's going to speak up, no one's going to, nothing's going to change. And so I think it's been powerful to see. And then when one team does it, one team hires a woman wide receiver coach, and then now it opens the door for other teams to feel comfortable to do it. I hate to even say that, but it seems to be kind of how it is. And also like realizing other, other women realizing like, Hey, I could do that. It's just representation is so important for girls to see like, Oh, if I wanted to grow up to be that I could even from a young age or even adults. Like if I decided to get into that, I don't have a passion for it, but if I did that, I could. And I think that that's huge. And whenever there's no one in the entire NFL, pretty much it's a woman women would just feel like they, why even try? And so now it seems to be where the door is open and it, why is, if they're just as qualified, why not? And so it's been really cool. Like I know the Broncos have a woman on the strength or strength staff. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> and Justin's like, oh my gosh, she's so good at her job. I don't know why 
anybody would think otherwise. Like she's just as qualified as everyone else who's ever been in there. So it's just cool to see, um, especially as a woman and we have a daughter and just think it's so important because growing up pretty much all of, even I played women's basketball, almost all of my coaches were men Any any of my strength coach I've ever had was a man. I've maybe had like a handful of women refs in my lifetime. Um, so it's cool. And football's even a step above that because it was really hard. <laughs> what was it probably in the last five years that women have even broken? So it's been cool. And I think it's just gonna, the representation will just help cat, like be a catalyst for it and inspire other women to, you know, if that's their dream that they can do it. It's so funny. I think about Sarah Thomas, when you bring up officials and referees, mm -hmm. it's like right now her officiating uniform from Super Bowl 55 is now in the pro football hall of fame on display. Like so cool. at what point will that not be, you know, unique to where, you know, why is her uniform on display? because she's the first, eventually I hope that we just have so many more women represented that that's not even surprising or unique. Totally. Same, same goes with, you know, teams that have women on their coaching staff right, right now, every time I know like one, um, I don't know her name, but she coaches for the 49ers, I believe. Yeah. Katie Sowers. Okay. Every time the 49ers play, they bring it up, which is cool. Cause they're bringing awareness to it, but it's so unique that they have to talk about it every time. And that's you know, like that's where the issue's definitely still there. Cause it's not common enough yet, yeah. but it is cool that they're bringing awareness to it and hopefully inspiring people that are at home and seeing it. It'll be interesting when we finally get to the point where that is the norm, where they don't feel the need to bring it up in every broadcast. It'll just be, she'll be another coach, you know? Totally. I totally agree. And I'm happy Lainey is growing up in a time where she'll be able to see female coaches on the sideline. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did Lainey ever get her hot chocolate the other day? Oh my gosh, she did. <laughs> and Joe, I, his name is Joe. He was yeah. with us in the car. So he got video of it. She <laughs> decided she didn't want it hot. And so she waited for it to be room temperature. And then she called it a milkshake. <laughs> so, but she, <laughs> she loved her milkshake, which was just room temperature, hot chocolate. <laughs> I love video afterwards and she was so cute she took one sip and she goes nope too hot <laughs> and it, it wasn't hot they made it like they could do like kid temperature so it was like yeah. warm maybe but yeah she waited till it like for an hour until it was cold almost and then she said it was a milkshake but you're like honey next time we'll just take you to just get a milkshake I know I don't know <laughs> kids <laughs> funny. Well, Taryn, thank you so much for joining us today and having that conversation with us. Yeah. Thank you guys for having, having me and thank you for this whole women's month, women's history month, um, stretch you guys have done. I feel like it's been empowering and educational and really cool. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Snap. Thanks again to Taryn Simmons for joining us. And thank you all at home for listening all month long to our special Women's History Month episodes. And make sure to stay up to date on The Snap by following the Broncos Podcast Network on Twitter. We will see you all in a couple of weeks for some draft content. <laughs>